0: There are so many ways you can support H.U.G. All you have to do is visit our website, com to see how you, too, can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support.
1: We thought as a team, hey, what if we could raise the money to pay for this lady's surgery? And we did. And it profoundly affected her and her family and the whole community and that was really the spark or the impetus for the nonprofit that was to come 10 years later.
0: Why would doctors choose to spend time volunteering in another country and creating a nonprofit organization to save children's lives overseas? Who are doctors Tom Forsberg and Chad White? How can others help Healing Hearts Vietnam? Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Dworcy. I am also a heart mom. I have a child who was born with a single ventricle heart in 1994, and that is the reason I am the host of your program. Many of you actually heard Alexander interview me for our celebration of 300 episodes of Heart to Heart with Anna. Today's program is Dr. Tom Forsberg and Dr. Chad Hoyt, founders of Healing Hearts Vietnam. And our guests are, obviously, Dr. Tom Forsberg and Dr. Chad Hoyt. Dr. Tom Forsberg and Dr. Chad Hoyt are co-founders of Healing Hearts Vietnam. Dr. Forsberg is an emergency physician with Central Health in Central Virginia. He currently serves in four emergency departments throughout the region. Dr. Chad Hoyt specializes in advanced cardiovascular imaging and has been in partnership with Central Health for the past 16 years. He currently serves as the Executive Medical Director of Central Hearts and Vascular Center, a busy four-hospital system with seven office locations and 40 clinical providers. For nearly a decade, Dr. Forsberg and Dr. Hoyt have shared their expertise with Vietnam. During their trips, they became aware of the great need for cardiac surgeries in children. Upon returning from Vietnam, Dr. Forsberg led the charge to form Healing Hearts Vietnam, which was established in 2015. Today, Healing Hearts Vietnam provides financial assistance to allow children with congenital heart disease to access life-saving surgeries. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Tom.
2: Thank you, Anna. Thanks for having us.
0: Well, we're going to start with you, Tom. First of all, Tom, can you tell me what originally brought you to Vietnam?
2: Well, that's a great story. (laughs) Chad and I had been friends and had known each other both through work in the hospital as well as at church. And I had a little flair for adventure and had been overseas in India previously. And Chad asked me if I would be interested in going with him on a trip to Vietnam to do some teaching and sharing a medical expertise. He had been going for About a decade before that, I thought I was up for an adventure and thought it would be fun and a fun way to maybe give back to some of the people overseas and to work with some doctors overseas. So we went to Vietnam about 10 years ago for the first time. And what I saw there was life-changing. I saw physicians who were eager for up-to-date expertise, who were very skilled at what they did, and just wanted some additional tools to be able to help people better. So the first year, we did some lectures over there. And we were supposed to go down to the Mekong Delta to do a medical clinic when we realized that Typhoon Haiyan was coming through, which was the typhoon that decimated the Philippines about 10 years ago. So we made the difficult decision to stay in Ho Chi Minh City. And while we were there, we took advantage of the opportunity to visit some of the kids who had received congenital heart surgery over the last year. Now, that was because of an initiative that Chad spearheaded, For a Christmas gift to try to raise money for pediatric congenital heart surgeries in Vietnam. And over 100 have been funded during that initiative. As we were visiting the families, we saw not only the tremendous impact that this had on the children that received surgery, they were able to run around and live life as usual, but also on the family. So a family Mm -hmm. that used to have. Only single income because the other parent had to be at the home with the child who was sick all the time or not able to carry on with life and go to school as usual. Both parents were then able to work and were able to raise money for their family and break the cycle of poverty as well. Mm -hmm. So during that trip, I saw not only the impact that that could make by teaching physicians and sharing of expertise with very capable physicians over there was able to see the impact that made with the family. And Chad and I at that time made the decision that we needed to make this a nonprofit that would continue to fund these patients who were not able to pay for their heart surgeries.
0: I just find that so inspiring and how big hearted of you to recognize that huge need and that this was something that you could actually make a difference with. Why don't you tell me some of the stories of some of the children who you've helped over the years?
2: So there was a girl who was in central Vietnam, who was 14 years old, and her family actually knew that she had a congenital heart defect since she was born. They knew that. However, they weren't able to pay for it. And one of the hospitals that we partner with. They had one of their cardiac doctors go out on these medical clinics and cardiac screening clinics with a portable ultrasound that Chad was actually able to secure through the GE Corporation. So while they used to go around with this large ultrasound machine that would break down half the times because the roads were very bumpy, this Cardiac specialist was able to put in his backpack and travel on a moped up to 100 kilometers away from the hospital to do screening. Oh my
0: goodness! Yeah. Oh my goodness! On a moped! Oh my gosh! (laughs) That is quite an interesting picture.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. So this physician was able to do all these clinics and was screening about ten thousand children a year for congenital heart disease and identifying these kids that otherwise would not even know that they had congenital heart disease or know of a program such as Healing Hearts Vietnam that can assist with these surgeries. So essentially, this physician went to this village and identified this girl and told the parents that she needed surgery And the parents said, there is no way that we're able to pay for this. We already know that she has this issue. And he said, well, we work with an organization called Healing Hearts Vietnam. Healing Hearts was an organization in the United States that is able to step in and pay the patient's portion of the bill after the government funding is received. There's still a portion that's left that is far over the annual salary of an average Vietnamese worker. So when they heard of that, they were elated and wound up getting surgery back in Da Nang, which is in central Vietnam. Now, fast forward about six months later after this girl had had that surgery, we went back to visit this girl during one of our trips. And it was a very, very modest home, kind of a thatched home. With very modest accommodations, dirt floor, concrete beds. And we were asking the mother about how things were before the surgery. And she said that she couldn't run, she couldn't play with the other girls or do things that other kids would do. Up to age 14, this was. And we asked her, since the surgery, what has she been able to do now? And the mother said, well, She's not running. She's not doing other stuff because it's not safe for her to do that. And we were able to give her the great news that her heart is now fixed and she is able to run. She is able to play with kids. So I had the tremendous opportunity to be able to run with this 14 year old girl for the first time ever.
0: Oh my God.
2: She's faster than Tom, by the way.
0: Ah! (laughs)
1: <laughs> story <Historic.
0: laughs> oh my gosh i absolutely love that story now is she able to go to school
2: yeah absolutely she's able to go to school she's able to do everything now that a normal 14 year old girl should be able to do home
0: tonight forever by the baby blue sound collective
3: please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at HeartToHeartWithAnna.com. That's Anna at HeartToHeartWithAnna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna.
0: Before the break, we were getting to know Tom, and we were learning about how he came to be interested in working with the children of Vietnam and how he started the Healing Hearts Vietnam Foundation. But now let's talk to co-founder, Dr. Chad Hoyt and get to know him a little bit better. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Chad.
1: Anna, thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to it.
0: This has been so much fun already. You guys have me laughing already and feeling so good. I'm so excited to learn more about your organization. Did you volunteer with another organization when you first began working in Vietnam?
1: We did not. I did not. I think I need to take you back to my first foray into Vietnam to explain how everything evolved. So in 2005, I had been in practice for about six years. And in my practice, I rounded in the hospital every day, and I would meet a lot of people, ministers of churches, family members, people in the community. And I met this man named Jim Alley. He's a retired minister in central Virginia. Great guy. He's a Tennessee fanatic. He bleeds orange, so don't hold that against him. But (laughs) He was a former pharmacist, but went into the ministry and he would go to Vietnam every year to train fellow pastors and provide support. And he came back and he kept bugging me every day. I'd see him on rounds. Hey, Hoyt, you need to come to Vietnam. There's a lot of opportunity for medical missions. And I would listen and I'd blow him off and I'd come up with an excuse. But finally I broke down in 2005 and I went to Vietnam. We had arranged a remote clinic in one of the jungle areas in the Mekong Delta down in the south. And I brought this echocardiogram machine, which was one of the first of its kind. It was the size of a laptop. Now, back in 2005, we didn't have the small handhelds that we have now. So this laptop was about $100,000. I couldn't get anyone to insure it. I was borrowing it from the hospital. And getting it through customs was a bit of a feat. But when I got there, we went down... But yeah, We went down to the Mekong Delta and we were staying in this hotel and it was in the evening and I plugged the machine in to charge the battery and the power grid for the whole city went out. So I unplugged the machine, oh I unplugged the machine and all the lights and air conditioning came back on and I thought, hmm, I wonder if there's a pattern here. I plugged <laughs> it back in, out went the power grid. So, so it was interesting. But the next day we went to the clinic, there was no power in the clinic we were in an old school and it was about 100 degrees in there, but we did an ultrasound screening clinic, or I should say I did. And I met this lady. I think her name was Pham. It's been so long, I don't remember, but her image has been indelibly etched on my mind. She had a large atrial septal defect. And I would say, Anna, the most common congenital anomaly that we see over there is an atrial septal defect. So it's a big hole between the left and right atrium. And you get too much blood flow in the right side of the heart. The right side of the heart gets enlarged. The pressures in the pulmonary artery rise. And so she was very sick. She had a six-year-old child. And I told her, look, you need surgery. She said, well, I don't have money. So we thought as a team, hey, what if we could raise the money to pay for this lady's surgery? And we did. And it profoundly affected her and her family and the whole community. And that was really the spark or the impetus for the nonprofit that was to come 10 years later. I'll never forget her. And really, if you ask me, how did it all start? That's really Mm -hmm. how it all started.
0: Wow. So she had an ASD, but she was able to have a baby.
1: Well, yes, she did. At the time, she didn't know she had the ASD when she had Mm -hmm. the baby, so it didn't come to light until later. Actually, the diagnosis came in the clinic that day because she hadn't been feeling well and she would heard we were going to have a clinic and there was a line about a mile out the clinic door that day. He was just one of the folks that came in and we picked it up through the screening. And screening ultrasound is a really effective tool when you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's an amazing weapon. And so we found it to be very, very helpful, these outreach clinics.
0: Okay. So let me ask for clarification because I think I misunderstood. I thought you said you went to a clinic that didn't have power, but you needed power to run that machine. Am I well, mistaken?
1: I, well, no, you're correct. I powered it up at the hotel after the city didn't have power. <laughs> so I finally got enough juice in the machine that it was able to work for most of the day in the clinic. So when I was in the oh, clinic, no, I, wow. I couldn't even repower. So basically when the battery charge ran out, clinic was over. Wow. So Yeah, and we partnered with other Vietnamese physicians and we had folks in the community that spoke English that were able to serve as interpreters. So that was really helpful. But it was really the prototypical outreach clinic in Vietnam. A lot of ideas were spawned out of that clinic.
0: That is just amazing. So Jimmy Alley is the person who really
1: Yeah. Jim Alley. He's the guy. That's right. He's the one we have to blame for all this. I I, think he had no idea what it was going to become. But then subsequently, you know. I talked with several cardiologists in the country and I said, what would be the most impactful thing that we could do coming over here? And they all said the same thing. Look, we have a very poor population of children who need congenital heart surgery. They don't have money. We need funds to help them have surgery. And so Tom and I took that information and we thought, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could raise funds to help support surgery for these kids. And it's not just kids. We also do some adults, but predominantly kids.
0: Apparently, because the very first person who really impacted you was an adult.
1: Correct. That's right.
0: Right. Okay. So is there an infrastructure there to care for these people post-operatively?
1: That's a great question. And the answer to that is yes. We do have relationships with local churches in the area and the church members will come. They'll get the names and contact information of the patients and they'll come to their home, make sure all their physical and emotional needs are met. It's a great way to check up on the kids. And that's been a model of success for us. We have MOUs with all of the hospitals that we work with. Part of the deal is that in an exchange for our support, they will contact our local people on the ground to make sure that all the needs are met for the family. So that part is as important as the surgery because we have to make sure the patients get back for follow-up, they get medications. Mm -hmm. And so that's really been something that's been successful. So one of the things that's unique about our ministry is we try our best to partner and enable and empower the physicians that are there on the ground, the Vietnamese surgeons and cardiologists So one of the ways that we do that is by providing cardiovascular conferences and lecture series to try to keep them up to date. But we also provide financial support so the patients can have surgery there. If you come with a team and you operate for a week and you leave, you're only good for the week that you're there. But we try to have a model that's much more sustainable. So we're supporting these patients all throughout the year, even though we're not there.
0: That's amazing. Thanks to the internet and the amazing ability we have now to communicate with people wherever they are, do you sometimes conference with doctors in hospitals in Vietnam when they're noticing certain complications or something crops up that was unexpected?
1: That's a great question. And I would say occasionally we conference, but more frequently they will send me cases. They'll email me cases and it will include imaging. They'll say, hey, what do you think of these images? What do you think we should do in this situation? Sometimes I don't know the answer and I'll ask colleagues. I mean, the funny thing is I know enough about congenital heart disease to be dangerous. I'm an adult cardiologist, (laughs) but I also know enough to be effective. And Tom and I together, we really try to manage the nonprofit and make sure that we're meeting the needs of the physicians over there. And we bring teams of physicians with us who we feel can help. So that's really our role.
0: It's just amazing to me how many organizations are out there doing something similar to what you're doing, such as the Novic Cardiac Alliance, Heart Gift, Gift of Life with the Rotary Club, Child Heart Foundation. Those are just a few of them. Did you ever consider joining one of those organizations instead of starting a whole new nonprofit? Because it's a lot of work to maintain a nonprofit organization.
1: That's also a great question. We've thought about that. I think we're a little bit unique in a couple of aspects. Number one, we don't have any administrative costs in the ministry. It's completely volunteer. So we want to make sure that every dollar that we raise and support goes directly to pay for a surgery. And some of the other organizations do have some administrative costs attached to them. It does create more work for us, but we've at least tried to maintain that. The other thing is we have such a very specific Focus on congenital heart disease for mainly kids and then adults and the way that we care for them after surgery and also the conferences. It's just a very unique ministry.
0: Having more control over where you are and what you do, all of these other organizations I listed treat children all over the world. And I could see where there could be conflicts if your entire mission is just for that one small place. It's not that small when you look at how many children actually need your help, not just children, but also adults.
2: Yeah, we try to keep our niche very focused as to only in Vietnam, at this point anyway, up to this date, and also that we have no administrative fees that are paid with any donor money.
1: Right. And I would say that if you ask what is our goal right now, it's to raise as much money to be able to support as many surgeries as possible. I mean, it's really simple. That's the prime focus right now is how many children and adults can we support surgically? The whole mission is based around that.
0: I know you have to triage patients, and especially when you're talking about how much money is available. Since it sounds like a lot of the heart defects that you're working with are ASDs and a good number of ASDs can be practically completely fixed with a catheterization, which is a much less expensive surgery than open heart surgery. Do you tend to put emphasis on more of those operations that can result in a complete repair and can be done in a cath lab versus an open heart procedure for say someone with a Single ventricle heart or tetralogy of Fallot, which is much more complicated and requires multiple open heart procedures?
1: Anna, it's Chad. I'll answer that. Yes, the ones that have catheter based solutions, obviously you get more bang for your buck. As Tom was explaining earlier, we pay the patients out of pocket portion. Most of these families are making $25 to $50 a month, but the surgery on their end is about $1,000. They're out of pocket. We pay that portion, but what it would cost to have a catheter-based ASD repair here is a thousand times what it costs over there. So one of the reasons we're in Vietnam is that the U.S. dollar goes a long way and we can impact a lot of lives with a smaller amount of money. So there's a big bang for your buck. But we have supported patients that have had complex mitral valve repair or tetralogy of fallow repair. Or single ventricles, or transposition of the great arteries. We, we've supported all of those cases. Our cost for those might be three or four thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. The cost for an ASD might be three or four hundred dollars. So right. we do all of them, and it's on a case by case basis. And of course, the patients need to meet the criteria for financial need. But another catheter based illness, which is very common, is PDA. And we do a lot of catheter-based closures for PDAs in those kids, too. Many of them show up much later on in the process than they would in the U.S. In the U.S., you hear heart murmur in the doctor's office, and boom, they've got their diagnostic workup. But in these cases, these kids don't show up until they're really, really sick.
0: That's and good and, uh, to see them when they're so much older and so much sicker. Do you have a higher incidence of Eisenmenger syndrome?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: That precludes them from being able to have an open heart procedure.
1: Correct. Right. There are many
2: situations in which we have to say no.
0: Yeah, that's and that's why the
2: screening ultrasound screening clinics are so important, and the mm-hmm. ability to have those remotely in far off regions of the country. And Anna, most of the procedures that are done that we support are actually interventional procedures, and a lot of people when they think Vietnam medical care think that it's being done in suboptimal conditions. Our partners that we work with, our hospitals that we vetted, they actually have very up-to-date facilities, as well as the ability to do some very complex interventional things, just as well as they would have gotten in the U.S. Yes. So, for example,
1: one of our main partners is the Vietnamese National Heart Institute in Hanoi, and that would be our equivalent of the NIH here. So it's very advanced, but even they need training and instruction and help. And that's why we bring teams of physicians to lecture and provide state-of-the-art updates. But we want to make sure that when people donate, They know that the surgeons and the interventionalists doing the procedures are qualified. So that's one of the benefits. We are able to handpick who those people are in those hospitals. And those hospitals span from Hanoi in the north to Da Nang in the central part of Vietnam to Ho Chi Minh City down in the south. So we have a scope all across the country. And we work with private health systems and government hospitals.
0: This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement.
2: Anna Jaworski has
0: written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more.
3: summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more.
0: Before the break, we were talking with Chad about his experiences of providing cardiac care to families in Vietnam. Gentlemen, by now, I am sure some of my listeners may be curious about how they can help you financially, because when you said for $300, you can close an ASD, I thought to myself, wow, I'm sure there are people here in the US who would say, I'll give you $300 or I'll give you $50 or $100. Tell us how people can find your website and how they can help you financially.
2: Thank you for asking that, Anna. Our website is the best way to donate. 100% of all funds go to the patients to provide life-saving cardiac surgery. And the website is www.healingheartsvietnam.com.
0: And I will have a link in the show notes, friends. So if you're exercising or driving to work, you don't have to worry about taking notes. Just look in the show notes and that's the description of the program. But I did want to give him an opportunity to say what that website is out loud. It's very beautiful. There are lots of photos on it. You'll be inspired when you go look at the website. Do you also have a need for people to help your organization? Because it sounds to me Like if you have people a mile long (laughs) lining up to receive care, you probably need some people to help with a variety of tasks when you go to visit Vietnam.
1: We do, Anna. Let me give you an example. So our last trip pre-COVID, we had a team that was comprised of PAs, nurse practitioners, nurses, ecotechs, cardiologists. So yes, I mean, it spans the whole gamut. And one of the other things we need is we need audiovisual support, someone who can take photos and videos and help us interview and folks that can write about the experience. So those are all really important components of the team. These folks are most useful in the outreach clinics. So it's a very diverse team and we always need echo techs. I mean, that's probably the number one most important part of the team.
0: And you were saying now you have better technology that's even smaller than what you had when you first started. Are you able to bring some of that technology with you, or do they now have that in Vietnam?
1: We do bring it with us. It's available in Vietnam, but most of the health systems would consider that a luxury they can't afford. So we have donated equipment. We donated an echo machine several years ago, a large echo machine that they can use in the hospital. But we also donated, as Tom said, a handheld. It's a little bit larger than the iPhone. And that does the trick when you're going out remotely. You can't store much on it, but it gives you the information you need. So yes,
2: we do have that. And that's been very effective for us. If anyone wants to help out as well in a non-monetary way, we also have a Facebook page that they can spread the word about Healing Hearts Vietnam. Like that, share that with your friends and your family as well.
0: I love that. It's so nice when people can help in a way that doesn't cost them anything except for maybe a little bit of time. But just finding that Facebook page, friends, every time you share it, All the people who see your information will see that. And then some of those people may like it and share it. And there's that ripple effect. And you just never know when there's somebody who really needs this information. So just hitting that share button and the like button and commenting can really make a big difference.
1: Yeah, that would be so helpful.
0: I wanted to ask you earlier, and I forgot to, but do either of you know Vietnamese?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We know enough to get ourselves into trouble. (laughs) We know how to say
0: Happy
1: New Year in Vietnamese. But we've been fortunate because the last couple of trips, we've taken one of our Vietnamese physician colleagues with us and he helps interpret. But many of the Vietnamese that volunteer and help us when we're over there speak really
2: great English. So we've never had a problem with that. Vietnamese is a very difficult language in that you could say the same word in six different tones or inflections, and they could mean six very different things. Every word is oh,
1: one syllable.
2: And really? So the, yeah, the accents wow. and the pronunciation.
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. It's a very difficult language, and Duolingo just isn't going to cut
0: it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hear you. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize every word is just one syllable. One I've syllable. never studied a language like that before. Wow. And they speak so fast. I've actually watched several videos now because I'm friends with Amy M. Lee and Lisa Colville, who we'll talk about in a moment, and they have shared some videos. And I went to a Vietnamese festival in Oklahoma, of all places, when I went to meet Amy M. Lee, and it's spoken so rapidly.
1: It really is. And the sounds they can make in their throat, I mean, we are not even capable of making those sounds. (laughs) I mean, it's just unbelievable.
0: Even though you don't speak Vietnamese, I'm sure the gifts of the deeds that you have done there speak volumes to these people.
2: Anna, we try our best to get to know the Vietnamese people as well as we can. And the fact that we've come back year after year after year for far over a dozen years now speaks volumes to them, as well as our commitment to their country and their people. And we joke about the language, but we try to speak some in (laughs) Vietnamese because that's such a very intimate thing and something that, quite honestly, is quite rare for an American to try to speak Vietnamese over there because it is so hard. And to know them through their culture, visiting their homes, their foods... All those things help us to build the relationships that we need to build bridges at hospitals throughout
0: the country. I just love that. Well, I would be remiss for concluding the program without mentioning author Amy Emley. Can you tell us how you became acquainted with Amy Emily and how you're working with her?
1: We got to know Amy through Tracy. She does the Vietnamese Boat People
0: podcast. Right. Yeah. That's how I came to meet Amy.
1: (laughs) Okay, great. Well, same story then. She connected us with Amy and said, hey, you have a lot in common. And Amy is an author and she's also savvy with social media and you might find some synergy with her. And of course, we absolutely have. We got to know Amy that way. And Amy's been a tremendous source of support and advice and input. We just cherish that relationship.
0: I'm so glad that thanks to Amy, I came to know you and she and I have been working together. We've done several podcasts together. She has an unbelievable story. So inspiring. I love every single recipe I have made from Amy's cookbook, every single one. So now my son and his friends like Vietnamese curry and we'll be making Vietnamese curry (laughs) for their game night. (laughs) It's funny,
1: curry and noodles and coffee. Those are the big things over there. We have the statistic, Tom and I calculated, and this is accurate. If you stretched all of the noodles end-to-end that are consumed in a year in Vietnam, it would be enough to go from the Earth to Mars and back.
0: Oh my gosh, wow. That's a lot of noodles. <laughs> that is a lot of noodles, Wow. Well, I am so thankful I had a chance to meet both of you today and talk to you about this remarkable nonprofit organization. I wish you both the best of luck as you continue with post-COVID, right? We have to finally yes. get past yes. COVID. Have you yes. been able to go back there while COVID has been
1: no. rampant? You know, um, Vietnam has been locked down. Mm-hmm. They've had difficulty getting access to vaccinations. So oh, it's been dear. more restricted. So mm. we're hoping that maybe by the end of 2022 or early 2023, we could go back. That's what we're planning on. We're looking forward to that. I think they've been handicapped by not having access for vaccines.
0: I'm sure they have. Now, do you have a financial goal you want to reach then in 2022, so you can go back to do a sort of procedure? Well,
1: we've supported what Tom about 500 surgeries approximately. Yeah, so that's about
2: 500.
1: So we would love to do several hundred surgeries a year. I would say the average cost for a surgery would be around six, seven hundred dollars, something like that. So the more support we get, the more kids and adults that we can support. We don't really have a limit, a
0: ceiling on it, but we would love to do several hundred a year. That sounds like a great goal. Well, friends, if you are interested in going to Vietnam to help Dr. Forsberg and Dr. Foyt, please contact them on their website. Or if you contact me on my website, heartunitetheglobe.org, I will be happy to forward that information to them. This seems like such a worthwhile cause. We know that they need help. And For such a small amount of money, we can make a big difference. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Tom.
2: Thank you for having
0: us. And thank you so much for coming on the program today, Chad.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: It has been so much fun learning about this organization and what you have done for the people of Vietnam. That does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today, my friends. You can listen to our podcast anytime on apps like iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music or Amazon Podcasts, and even Facebook. So please take a moment and leave a review or a comment. And remember, my friends, you are not alone.
3: Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community heart to heart with Anna with your host Anna Jaworski can be heard at any time wherever you get your podcasts a new episode is released every Tuesday from noon eastern time